If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good morning, Yes Chef listeners. Or good afternoon or good evening. It depends on your listening, but it doesn't really matter. Um, it's an absolute stunning day in February. Me and Ben have... Me, Ben and Big Kiro... We're just in, oh, to be honest, it's probably the poshest place I've ever been in my life. Um, we're in, it's, it's just this gorgeous little borough of Chelsea and Kensington. There we go. So we've come down here to Launceston Place. I've just been told that's the correct pronunciation. I don't know if it's true. Ben? It is true. It's only in uh, Chelsea and Kensington. And, and Jordan th- thinks he's somewhere in the south of France. But um, yeah, lo- lovely day. Mid-February. It's very warm, very bright. A couple of cinnamon buns, uh, three blocks. A couple of coffees. Uh, yeah, we're here to chat to uh, Ben Murphy, who's got a very interesting background. He's uh, nearly a professional footballer. We'll, uh, we'll get into all of that in the pod, so we'll see you after the pod. See you shortly. Do you want to start, Benny boy? Well, it sounds like you, you've got the... I'm happy. I'm just on a six-mile bike ride. It picked me up at eight o'clock to bike down here from Stoke Newington. It's a bit of a stressful journey coming through central London, and then you get to here, and it's like, oh, wow. It really is. It changes, isn't it? Like, the, the streets are so clean. All the houses are white. It's a beautiful part of town. It's gorgeous. Do you live around here? <laughs> I wish. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> it's going well, but, you know. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, North West London. Right, right, right. Whereabouts? Uh, Brent Cross. Lovely. Mm. So, opposite the shopping centre. So. Yeah. Okay. Handy. Very <laughs> <laughs> local foods. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. So we're in this beautiful part of London. Um, we struggled because two northern blokes about an hour on the way here shouting the name of your restaurant. Okay. Yeah. And then we got told by the two lovely old women outside that it's Launceston. Launceston. There we go. See, even that. It's the nerves as well. I think if you say it wrong. It's just your, your confidence, man. You can't read properly. I so. know. Shocking, shocking. <laughs> but um, it's lovely, though. It's a beautiful place. I mean, so what is it? You, you close during the day on this Monday, Tuesday, then it's just like rammed every other day. Uh, yeah, Monday we're closed. Tuesday lunch we're closed. Uh, and then we're open for Tuesday dinner until Sunday night. Um, we do exactly the same food throughout the week. So we, we don't change our offering. It's really nice. So you seem like you've moved around a lot in the last few years you've been to a few places right yeah work work wise yeah especially um before here i opened a restaurant called the woodford in east london um and then before there i was in uh, mayfair a restaurant called the greenhouse and then before that i was in france too so i was well we're going to get into that i think heavy into that that with ben but we want to start asking you um going right 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 back 
your first food memory? Um, chicken dinosaurs, smiley faces. Get in. It's kind of the thing I've been brought up on. Very alphabets. Alphabet spaghetti. Yeah. All that stuff. Hula hoops. Yeah, that, that kind of direction. The staple diet of someone born in like the 80s, early 90s. That's the food I've been brought up on, to be fair. Yeah. Um, this whole food thing has come from nowhere. It's a bit random. Um, and yeah, I think the being at home, uh, being cooked to spaghetti bolognese was probably the most cooking that got done. Unless it was like a ready meal. Or- so that was kind of exotic food almost luxury yeah special occasion who dies jesus it's, <laughs> it's one of those things though, isn't it? i think a lot of chefs you speak to i think you expect them to have this oh we got taken to restaurants N- not at all <laughs> i or think it's through the family exactly yeah. and it, uh, you know a lot of people don't have that and it's just like monday we have this tuesday we have this we have whatever's easiest like, i have five brothers so it's constant okay it's what what you can do for cheap you know where'd you go up um, in Northwest London, I was I was born in uh, Northwest. Uh, yeah, I've been been brought up there. Went to a school which was a little bit hood, like ghetto, should we say? Oh okay. right. Um, and then when I left, it ended up closing down anyway. So yeah. And then I was lucky enough to get into Westminster College, where it kind of struck off. I was playing football originally. Um, I had trials for QPR, mm. and then I kind of broke the, my collarbone, and that kind of took the used my feet out of perspective. So. Yeah, I focus on food. Yeah, I mean, that's a big one. So, yeah, you got smiley faces on the go. Yeah. So, was there a cook in your house? Or would you um, say? My mum cooked to the best she can. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, through my nan, food, like, she'll make like, home home biscuits and stuff, but it wasn't really driven in that sort of direction. The fact that, yeah, we're, we're going to do this on a certain day, or it's just as an occasion that she'll make, I don't know, shoe buns or something. Um, but, yeah. Um, my mum's very simple with the cooking, um, but she she's brought us up to be fed properly. Yeah. We've eaten. We've never been short of a meal, which has been lucky. So yeah, yeah. So what were Sundays like? Was that a- Sunday like your typical roast, um, which was good. Um, obviously, like dry chicken, gammon. Everything. My mum's been to the restaurant a couple of times in in the space I've been here. Um, we we kind of order like a specific tomato salad for her. Beef well done. It's very, so very hard. They don't. They, they will not have a bit of blood. It's like I took my dad for his birthday to a really nice place in central London, and he got it well done. And I was like, "Come on, just for this one time, that's the flavour." He's like, "Well done," and I'm like, "You can't be doing it, man. You can't be doing it." But they love it, don't they? Yeah, it's 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 what it is, and it's the way they've been brought up. Yeah, I think, so. and it's what you know, right? So, were you like picky with food as a kid? Not really at all. I didn't really eat much fish. Apart from like your your typical like battered cod, uh, like fish and chips kind of thing, um, I never really experimented until I started going to college. What like what noise there was or right. So th- um, that age crab. as well, it's kind of a fun age to get into it. Whereas a lot of people might have had an experience earlier. Yeah, on. they were really tasty. So my girlfriend's the same. She ate beige food for the first like eighteen years of her life, and then she had like corn on the cob, and she's like, yeah. wow, blown away. <laughs> it's insane. So when you so basically. When I was doing a bit of research on you, so at school, you said, that obviously, being into football and being that being your goal, mm. it seems to be, you know, it's the only drive you've got. And yeah. you said cooking was another subject that you went to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, was yeah. the other one that kind of excited you a bit? Because obviously, when you've got that in your mind, my brother was similar to you. So his football, and he got a big injury. And he just focused on that all his life. Yeah. And it's hard, that shock. So when you're at school, did you just did you vibe off the cooking as well? Or was it like you're good at 
yeah, it was the only subjects I was actually all right at. Uh, and then to be fair, it got to the point that I was the only subject I was turning up to. Um, and I think because there was more practical involved at school doing the food technology, yeah. um, it, it was what interested me the most. Cooking bread. Making or well, cooking pasta and yeah, basics, very basic like eclairs and stuff and why okay that was like the basic uh food technology at school um and yeah the, the, obviously the football side of it was the enjoyment because it's something i love to do whereas the cooking was just there because it's, it's the only thing i really enjoyed at school because of the environment of the way the school was led it wasn't really the best school um there was yeah, a lot of trouble uh especially in the area as well so it was it's more like a, um, a back burner to, to enjoy something while I was meant to be going to school. And when, because they know that you're going to be a footballer in their heads as well, because the teachers know as well, don't they? they? Yeah, they would have assumed that sort of direction could have happened. Um, but then, yeah, it's, it's what it is, to be fair. God. And if you're eating turkey dinosaurs, how can you be an athlete? There you go. That's it. <laughs> it's not a good metabolism. That's What's going it, yeah. on here? Yeah, exactly. They say about never trust a skinny chef, so. <laughs> they do say that, don't they? A lot. I mean, you don't see massive chefs anymore. It's quite rare, I think. I had a big chef. I worked in a place called the Lakeside Hotel in um, Lake Windermere. And there was a guy there called Chunky. And he used to terrify me. He was a breakfast chef in a okay. hotel. So he was already ex-Navy SEAL type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he was a it was huge. But um, they always used to wind me up because I was 15 when I got my first job. And he used to say, go on whip his ass <laughs> he, he doesn't mind and all this he's, he's fine he's just like a nice soft giant you know what i mean and i you know the old wet towel when you first get into you know college a thing <laughs> slapped his ass as hard as i could and it was honestly it was like turn off a light switch that's how accurate <laughs> it was and i've never ever seen a shed move so fast it ran it was because it was, it was huge and he chased me out of the hotel up the road, because the guy who owned it had this little garden, he had to go and pick herbs. That was my job, to go and pick herbs. And he's out, I was well chuffed, do you know what I mean? A couple of rollies picking herbs, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And this absolute tank chased me. And I've never, because I was 15 and I was I was playing football all the time, you know. I was quite fast. He was getting closer and closer. And he just looked at me in the eye and said, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And the day I left, he picked me up and he chucked me in a sink full of cold water, you know, like the big old sinks. Oh, God, big old chunky. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, so let's talk about the, the football thing then. So when did you start? You must have been playing football from a very early yeah, age. Yeah, I think it's like, like five, six. Yeah, and then did you kind of like get academy and then, picked up early on? Um, I was playing for a team linked uh, to Edson Football Club, um, which was in Edgware, northwest London as well. And then they were linked to like Arsenal's academy. Right. Um, and then, yeah... Basically, it was linked from as soon as I was 15, I had trials for the under 16 mm-hmm. at QPR. And then it was the week before the trials, I broke my collarbone and that was like set me out for six six week duration, which obviously meant I missed the trials completely. So um, how would you break the collarbone? I got landed on playing football. <sighs> Some big black guy just clouted me sideways. It was like three to four times the size it. of me Ouch. and everything just shuffled. Oh my god! And I was laying apparently, and the bone was just like popping out. Was... Oh, do you still speak to him? <laughs> yeah, I do actually. Yeah, <laughs> he plays in my Sunday football team. Oh, awesome! Yeah. He's cool. a cool guy, but yeah, it was, uh, it was an experience. And... How how do you take that kind of realization that you know all quite, you want to do? Yeah, at that time it was quite devastating. To be yeah, fair. Um, and it was just like looking at what other option or what do I do? How can I get back into it? Kind of mm. thing. And then there was other trials uh, after I recovered, and uh, yeah, I just was over the age kind of thing, and 
it didn't really work out. So, so you kind of got the short window. Yeah. And something it. unfortunate, unpredictable happens. And then, mm. especially when you're playing football so much, um, I think everyone gets that opportunity if they, if they're good enough. And then if you, if you've, if it works, it's like getting the lottery kind of thing. And yeah, obviously I, I just missed out. So Nightmare. Do you feel that being, going for that, that drive and that passion and that work ethic you had from being a, being a footballer and getting into that, do you think that translates to being a chef or in the food industry? Yeah. I, yeah. Yes and no. I think, um, so I've, my, my mum and dad work really hard and they've installed that into us, um, from an early age of obviously like putting in effort, like what you get out. What you, what you put in is what you get out kind of thing um, I think with football it was the matter of always turning up on time going to all the training sessions doing the fitness camps um, and obviously putting in that, that effort to hopefully achieve something whereas obviously I've just missed out uh, in relation to the, the food side obviously going to college turning up on time um, making sure everything's always on point all coursework was handed in on time that's kind of stuck with you the whole yeah, time yeah it has yeah. Um, and even when it comes to the restaurant now if we have deadlines to get certain dishes done because we need to meet the seasons of the food um, just like with fashion of clothes like come Christmas it's more like turtlenecks because it's cold um, and then jumpers and stuff like we work exactly the same so we'll have a deadline like next week to get an asparagus dish on the menu um, because asparagus is coming in season and we want to be at the forefront of it um, and yeah, and then obviously, like last last month was rhubarb, so we kind of have deadlines where we work towards. And you've always been like that. Then is that was yeah, that like uh, something that always attracted you the seasons and that or was that just from like mentor, bit the mentors you had or learning or the kitchens you were in? Yeah, I think that was more through Pierre Kaufman kind of thing. Uh, when I was working with him, it was very everything was very uh, timed. Everything was very directed based on uh, you have a certain amount of time to do something. If you can't do it, then you're not good enough. So we always make, kind of make sure that we, we'll get that done. Um, for example, if you're on a fish section, when I was working for Peter Kaufman, you can't touch any of your garnish preparation until the fish is prepped. So if that means you coming in two hours early, so be it, as long as you're set. And that was so kind let's of... let's talk about that. So, so straight from college, that was your first job, right? Yeah. So I mean, like, that's big. That's like basically getting your trial for QPR, isn't it? Or yeah, basically even getting accepted in QPR. Big now. Um, but at the time, I didn't know who Peter Kaufman was. That's good though. I find it's good when you don't realise the opportunities. When you're a bit naive and you're a bit, you know, when you're young and you're a bit silly, mm. you just go in there and just like head blinkers on and work, I guess. Go and talk to me about like, you know, that, that when you got that call or when you applied for that job. So there was actually a poster in uh, Westminster College where I did three years um, advertising the fact that Pierre Kaufman's opening at the Barclay Hotel. Um, this ex free mission star chef who worked at Le Tonclair. Uh, obviously, it was his restaurant where Gordon Ramsay's Royal Hostel is now. Yeah. Um, and it was more based on the fact that it was a new opportunity. It's going to be a brasserie, but working under his philosophy of this three-star mentality. Um, and I, yeah, it was me and another guy uh, who proposed and moved forward with the, the interview. We both took the job. Um, so we were the two youngest in the kitchen. And then I was more, I guess... I wouldn't say more dedicated and more committed, but obviously with the other guy, he was traveling further. So it was getting a bit tough for him. Um, so, but I, I maintained and carried on. And yeah, it was, it's more, I think at that time, I didn't know who Coffin was. And it's obviously I researched before I had the interview with him. And then this massive giant just walked in the room. Uh, pretty intimidating to be big fair. Big guy. Yeah, yeah, big guy, really big guy. Um, that picture of you two, you look about nine. <laughs> <laughs> you look about nine, you're a granddad. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it was, it was an incredible journey through what he's taught me and what I've learned back then is what I do now kind of thing from the base of learning how to make a, a proper sauce, um, basic, uh, cookery from what I learned at college, just developed and enhanced into that kind of food philosophy of, uh, the French kind of like gastronomy. Cause he's like the king of it, I think, as well as like the Michel Ruse and, um, Albert Rune, et cetera. Do you, obviously now you recruit people. Mm. Do you see, do you try and be that kind of mentor? Here, especially in this restaurant, I'm quite lucky. I've got the same team for like the last year and a half. Nice. Um, so with the chef industry, obviously it's quite difficult. And I see a lot of stuff on like social media. In fact, oh, I'm looking for chefs or struggling here. Like here, I have no problem. Like, if anything, we have a waiting list, which is quite lucky. Um, and yeah, the guys in the kitchen downstairs, they get, they get three days off a week. They work four doubles. Um, and because they get three days off a week, that means I've got to work a section, which I don't mind doing. I'm not his head chef just stands on the pass and just calls tickets. Like I'm, I'm stuck involved one, one day I might do the fish section. So therefore, obviously the way the kitchen is formatted, we're basically around like a long table and everything's really interactive. Um, another day I might do the meat section. So keeps you, guys, you on your tours as well. Yeah. Keeps you excited and That's you get to it. see what you're doing, you know? Like I reckon if you ask a lot of head chefs now to cook a piece of meat or fish properly, they might not be able to do it. Um, and obviously they'll rely on their team to produce that. Whereas if I'm still there doing it day in, day out, like I'm never going to forget it. Yeah. And I'm inspiring the guys who I have around me to, um, to obviously push and hopefully when they become head chefs or move on, mm-hmm. they'll be able to say, yeah, like we, this is what I did when I was working with Ben and um, try and build an, an empire uh, early. Yeah, absolutely. So was there a point where you've kind of gone from the college and then um, working with Kaufman you, you kind of gain the confidence in your own food. Uh, I won a few competitions when I was working for Pierre Kaufman. So he was more of the, the mentor for these competitions. Um, but then I didn't want to be a competition chef because um, obviously I was putting in hours working for him at the Barclay. Um, I think the light bulb kind of switched on is when we both decided that me working for Pierre Kaufman at the Barclay, I wasn't gaining it anymore. Um, I wasn't learning much more and it was the fact of what direction do I take with him to help me move forward. Yeah. Uh, he proposed either like uh, France, uh, Australia or New York. So this is a massive turning point. Yeah. And that was after working for him for three and a half years. Did that kind of come out the blue? Pardon? Did you expect that sort of move? Uh, not really at all, no. So he just sat you down like, right, here you go. <laughs> there was, Pick we a got straw. a passport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it was more based on the fact that because I was really close with him now and there was a lot of trust between us, like I knew what he wanted with his restaurant. Yeah. I knew the standard he wanted to, to meet and produce. Um, and he didn't want any like Michelin stars in this at Coffins at the Barclay. It was a free rosette restaurant, good food, cooked properly, very comforting and filling. Um, and I think over time we, we became really close. Um, and then, yeah, it was basically me developing my skills of what I learned throughout three years with him and three years at college, um, on which direction to go further. So obviously the fact that I've learned French cookery with him, uh, college was a basic French gastronomy as also of learning how to hold a knife, the French cuts of vegetables and stuff. Um, so we kind of pinpointed it down to using his contacts to go to, to France to develop that French gastronomy a little bit more. Um, so we actually drove over to um, Gascony, where he lives, uh, in, in South France. 
Who drove? Both of you. Him. Him. <laughs> That's nice. Who drove? Yeah. Can you imagine that? You have a kip. Yeah. You have a kip. Come on. You have a kip. Have a little sweet. Let me drive. We'll yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we actually, uh, we left, I think it was a Friday morning. We got, we got, we stayed overnight. Um, and he introduced me to, to Michel Gar in South France. So it was going from like a free rosette restaurant uh, to a free mission star restaurant, I'm not speaking a word of French, obviously like understanding the swear words that he had when I was working at the Barclay. <laughs> very important. Swear words. Yeah. <laughs> Straight away. Exactly. Um, and then he gets back in the car and goes home and you're like, oh. Yeah. And I was just left there to be fair. That was, that was actually as it was. Um, that I got introduced. And then, yeah. And then South France was quite difficult to be fair. First three months were a bit tough. Maybe it got more bullied than anything else because they kind of, like the chefs there thought I was there to prove a point. What do you do about that? Keep going. Uh, I was calling Kaufman probably two, three times a week saying like, I, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Like, this is not for me. Tough and, time. Um, and he's like, no, you, like, you've got to stick it out. Like get through the first three months. And then he, then he popped back and saw me again. Uh, and then things were okay. And then he had words with the chefs there. And then what was the turning point is I got promoted mm. after six months before some of the other guys who were working there for two, three years. But that went down the street. But did they not try and you know show you a bit more respect after that? After that, yeah, there was. And then it got to the point where they wanted to learn, the guys in the kitchen wanted to learn English right? more than I actually was interested in learning the language French. of French. Yeah. Um, so it kind of went hand in hand for a year working there. Um, and obviously working in South France, being brought up in London, there's nothing uh, around that area at all. There's one hairdresser, to one cafe, one uh, coffee shop, one little supermarket, and that was it. But people travel for that restaurant. Exactly. It was, it was a very destination restaurant, um, and there wasn't much going on there, but obviously it was more like a, a massive chateau. Um, and, yeah, you kind of pay for the experience. But the whole team mentality, which you've got now, you've already talked about how important that is and being yeah. close and everything. So that, for you, would have been totally alien. For sure. So, how, I mean... Yeah, I mean, even after you're doing a shift, yeah, having a few drinks, was that happening? Uh, rarely. Right. Um, star food was important there, but then it got to the point where it got very repetitive. We were eating lentils every single day and like comfy duck legs. It was like that for three, four months and then it would change. Um, but obviously the mentality that I've been brought up within this industry, I get it across to the guys that work for me, but not as brutal as I went through because there's no need for it now. Sure. A lot of people have said that to us, haven't they? They've just realised I didn't. This is not right. <laughs> I can be. I can be a lot better and get a lot better out of my staff. I.e., three days off a week. Yeah. And no comfy duck legs and lentils every day. That's, that's, that's just it. But the guys here, they they work sixteen, seventeen hour days, but they they give hundred and ten percent every time they work here for four days a week. So the three days they have off is obviously the Monday we're closed, and then two other days so they can do whatever they want. And obviously we have a piece of paper where you can request certain days, and I always make it work. Um, and especially within this restaurant, I'm here every service. So for consistency level, I like to think we're in a good place of what I like to eat is what goes out kind of daily and exactly the same, if not better. So you got promoted? Yeah, got promoted to chef's party. So then what what, what changed then? My pay. <laughs> <laughs> Booyah, hit yeah, the town. Went yeah. up like 100 euros a month, which was a bonus, especially. Two haircuts now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and I was in control of taking a, taking over a section. I was on the, the garnish at that time and fish, so it was good. Um, I did that for three more months, and then I moved to a different section. I did the meat, and then the last three months of working, I did the, the starters, the larder, like the, the gamanger. It was a good experience, um, tough, 
but yeah like obviously I, I'm, I'm one chef that can say I've been through it and uh, I've seen it whereas some others they haven't gone through that would you recommend it uh, to I, a young person starting up I would but I don't think it would be the same now um, as it was back then it would be slightly easier because yeah, people maybe. are more open and exactly know, conversations like now if I was to be spoken to by like how I did back then I wouldn't take it yeah sure 100% like I am um, obviously uh, as a 21 year old just wanting to learn yeah. and try and find the direction of where I want to go um, you just kind of like just got to get on with it but now I, I think a lot of people like if I was to nail someone in the kitchen they'll probably give it back to me mm-hmm. whereas we don't have that sort of um, like that vibe in uh, like my kitchen downstairs where it's, it's, it's more like friends and family now kind of thing uh, yeah you can debate without exactly and if they disagree with me, they'll say, actually, I, I think they'll be honest because yeah. I'm still learning as well. So um, it works hand in hand. The product still goes out at the end of the day. That's the thing that I, that's the thing that I never got with working in busier kitchens and stuff. It's like, yeah, this is hell. But when it's not hell, the, the product still goes out. That's that's it. It, so let's just kind of chill and go, yeah, we're sending a lamb shank. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. no need to go nuts. That's just it. Um, but there's, I think now it's more based on so much respect within what we do. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously, if there's something that they disagree with, they would say, honestly, um, yeah, maybe we can do it this way because it will work easier for us when it comes to the service. So whether the the lamb garnish, for instance, coming from the larder because it's just closer and it's going to go out hotter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of talk. And obviously, we're that close in the kitchen and they've stuck with me for so, for so long. Uh, they believe in what we do and we all have this, the same goal. Yeah. So how's your French? French cookery is good. Language? French language is good for like in the kitchen. and Outside, I know enough to get by. So so when you first got there, how do you even communicate? I'm assuming that you didn't really speak much French. Yeah, uh, hardly, uh, hardly any. So you, what, are you just pointing and... Yeah, directing, chatting, chatting shit to be fair. It's like, yeah. It's, it's all like, you need though, isn't it? Like you show, you show me, because you know as well, like with um, my learning with Kaufman, if he showed me one thing once, I'd be able to do it once. With some chefs, like they need two, three times to be shown. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the respect came f- with me and him. He'll show me once I'll, and I'll just get on with it. It was very rare that he'll... It's boss's dream, isn't it, essentially? You know what yeah. I mean? If you show someone and they do it right, you're like, thank God, go move on. Now yeah. do the other 20 things I've got to do right that's now. Just yeah. I got quite lucky with him, to be fair. Like, visually, I'm an easy learner. But then when it comes to writing stuff down, like, very slow, not good at all. Um, especially if it's like maths or English at school. But uh, yeah, like, you, practically, you show me one thing and I'll be able to do it. So from there, so you so obviously you've done every three months you've been promoted essentially. Uh, well, yeah, I only got promoted once throughout the year working there, but it was after like uh, four months of working, uh, starting. I got promoted to chef to party, and then normally you have to do like two, three years, and then want to see commitment with you in the restaurant before you move up to a sous chef. But do you think they knew that you were going to come back? Uh, not necessarily, <laughs> but um, keep it quiet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But with, between me and Coffin, I wanted to do one year exactly. And it was literally uh, like 2012, 25th of March to 2013, 25th of March. And I was done. Bag like, was already packed. Yeah, yeah, it was. See you later. I, I packed the week before. I knew I was going. And, they and were, you had the job ready for you when you came back then? Uh, so from South France, I went to Paris. So I did a year in Paris. Um, so while I was working as a chef to party in South France now, my um, every time as, having that responsibility, you needed to come up with new ideas and new dishes also. But the stuff that I was producing was too complex for the sort of classical food yeah. that they were doing. 
Um, and then I got lucky again with um, a guy called um, it was Michel Gard's assistant uh, as head chef. He was the one that um, kind of proposed me to go and work in a, a different restaurant, which was more more fine dining, a bit more modern than what they were doing. Um, and yeah, then it was his contacts that got me into Le Bristol at the, um, in Paris. So it was the freestyle there called Epicure, uh, working on the Eric Freshon, which was which was good as well. Um, lucky for me, the the guys that were working there, um, being in Paris, they knew more English than the guys from South France. So you kind of could get on, yeah, more or well, less straight away. That's just it. Yeah. So I went. I started as a commie again uh, because of the language barrier um, that they fought, obviously. Uh, and yeah, and then I just carried on, carried on going. How was Paris? Yeah. Paris is good. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. It's it good was city. Very, yeah, city is very similar to to London. I think, a, 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 yeah, a more a dirty version of London. I think, mm. obviously, three times smaller. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I felt more at home. Uh, living conditions were a lot more easier. Like, if I wanted to go get a drink at midnight, I, yeah, I can just go go out, and there was always stuff around. Uh, whereas, so that, that's more enjoyable then. Yeah. So do you? I mean, do you go back and see the lads anytime? Uh, I've been back a couple of times. Um, yeah, definitely. And uh, I plan. I still. If I was to leave anywhere and go and open a restaurant or go back and start again, I'd like to do Paris longer than a year that I did. Right, I think, okay, yeah, interesting. It, it was, it, again, I had exactly the same direction. I want to do one year, one year only, and that's it. I did that. Um, but working in a freestyle, it gets very repetitive. You work through Eric Freshon's cookbook, and then after March, starting there on March as well, um, they had the leek dish on the menu. But then when it comes to me leaving, this leek dish came back on the menu. Right. So oh, you kind of see like... The, the, yeah. the process of the way they work um, and obviously yeah fish the set menu changed regularly which was where um, you learn the most because this was the sous, uh, sous chef's input and their kind of direction of what to add yeah so is this when you're getting you're coming up with menu yeah, suggestions and exactly. new, new dishes and stuff yeah and obviously taking notes was, was the most important thing so working in South France every day after I finish service, I'll go home, I'll have a notebook and I'll just write down everything I learned that day. In English or French? In English, yeah. Because uh, I'm <laughs> having to translate um, certain recipes and stuff. You wouldn't sleep, man. If you're <laughs> translating all bloody time. Do you, do you think the creativity is so much different in London that you're given compared to France? Because France, it, it seems very, to layman, like me, but it seems very like that's a technical thing. Yeah, I've seen you on Scram all day. It's very, very technical 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 all the time over here you seem to have chefs that are just like just be creative and creative and creative that's just it yeah i think it's more um there was a man behind us with a box and a mr sheen are we having shots there we go flower change maybe yeah flower change look at that how often is this going get him on the mic every tuesday every tuesday yeah, once a week yeah, yeah. a little petal on ben's <laughs> head on the, on the egg i love that um so yeah, the the creativity. Did do did you miss that? But I suppose you've come straight from college to work to to kind of like learning, learning, learning. You haven't had this creative thing yet, have you? You haven't been able to create your own dish. Yeah, yet. I, I didn't get that chance really. It was just more like, giving ideas to input. The, not exactly like suck up to the chefs that you're working there, but the more you show that you you want to um, be involved, the better it looks, and the more interest they would focus on you. Otherwise, they were, like if you if you just went there, did a job, didn't really say much. You, you're just one of many. You're there for the wage type yeah, thing. Yeah, like for a 45 cover restaurant, there was 36 chefs every service, Christ. and there was there was 45 front of house. So it was very 
precise for obviously a free mission style restaurant. Um, whereas South France, like there was uh, there was fifteen of us every service. But the best thing about South France was the fact that every morning you'll go into like their gardens, you'll pick all the veg. It's like a, it's like something you see on two fat ladies type thing. But when you see that, and you think that's just that is the way that people want to do it you're in the middle of nowhere and that's what, what people travel for and pay a lot of money for because they know that you're there well picking the food it's from the garden you sat eating it you can see where your food comes from yeah and it's literally within five hours it's been picked washed and served um for lunch service and then obviously dinner it would be from the morning prep and the morning pick but yeah it was that here being in london i can't really i can't really do that at all I don't claim that like I've got a garden on top of the roof or yeah, I was like, say, yeah. We, here we use the best produce I can get my hands on yeah. uh, and we utilize it the best we can to the food that I like to eat um, and obviously through that journey of working in France I've seen techniques and skills um, which I do in the cookery, cookery that we do now downstairs in the kitchen um, and we have fun to be fair like, we have emojis on the menu um, which people think when they sit down that we're not serious um, until they see what we do as a chef that's like top of top of his game now, do you would you ever consider not being in London and being like because I'm from I'm from the Lake District near near Long Clume, so I'm like ten minutes away from there, and when you go there, I know well, I've been outside, <laughs> but but I've been to his pubs and stuff like that. You, I had friends who've worked there and that were chefs up there, and you know they said like you, you just the food's there, like you're saying five hours to do it. That creativity of like what's what's fresh today. That's the thing that, that kind of keeps them driven. And I think being in London, obviously, it's where all the top chef, um, restaurants are. But would you ever consider moving out of it back, like doing the country just for that? Because you're a Londoner, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Through, yeah. through are you? Yeah. Um, going back to your previous bit about like top, top chef, like I'm still nowhere near where I want to be. Um, I, we've I've taken over this restaurant and I haven't achieved what I want to as yet. Um, but with what we do here, like because I'm born in London, it makes sense more that I, I work in London because it's, I, I love London completely. It's home. I miss, when I was in France, I missed it. Um, and yeah, I think until I achieve something here, um, which is what all our goal is, uh, depending on what happens in the future, it could be an opportunity of maybe doing a restaurant in a greenhouse and then while you're sitting in the greenhouse, all your veg from what's being picked is around you. Um, which is stuff that I haven't seen people do before. Get that trademark, pal. Christ, before we get this bugger out. It's in, where's it in Amsterdam? <laughs> I've, been, I've been me and Ben. Is it running Amsterdam? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Like, and obviously to do something like that in London where the weather is so unpredictable, obviously this time last year it was snowing. Um, yeah, I think there's there's a gap full of some sort of stuff that hasn't been done yet. And I've got many ideas of what to do, but my main, main like, focus at the moment is is this place. Yeah. So. so what what is it you want to achieve with this place? So the, I think, to be fair, that there was a lot of hype uh, when I first joined here, the fact that um, Tim Allen was here before. Uh, he had a Michelin star, four rosettes. Um, uh, there was another chef that took over who couldn't maintain it. Um, and then I think with me joining, because of my background, always working in like three Michelin star restaurants or two, it was more based on the fact that that was the whole hype of trying to get this Michelin star back. Um, which essentially I've never earned a mission star before. Um, but I, I like to think we're cooking at a level which is potential for achieving that. Um, but and I think a lot of it's based on consistency um, throughout what we do, especially if there was a mystery diner from Michelin um, coming to eat. That expectation is that every time they come, our yogurt butter has got to be seasoned exactly the same as it did the first time they came. 
if not more precise than yeah than now because um, you never know when they that's just it we have no idea the old spoon on the floor or the fork yeah the fork yeah. I've seen that <laughs> <laughs> but it must be for you though what what I've got from this conversation so far is like having that team downstairs that you've been that you've had for a year and a half there's your consistency that's do you know what I mean Like, and, and obviously you're all striving for the same goal they want Michelin star do you know what I mean not just the head chef it's it's like this is my restaurant as much as you know inside that's right when they joined uh, last year I made it clear that they're like they're working with me they're not working for me um, I think it's more respect on the fact that they have their own individual personalities um, and we work around that as well obviously some chefs are more slower at learning than others but then there's so much support within ourselves and within the team that we have um even from the base of making star food to to producing the food that we actually do. Um, it's just kind of finding the balance of knowing when to, to push people as much as they can be pushed, but not breaking them that they hate their life and they don't want to work anymore. So for the first time. Yeah. It yeah. broke me hard. Yeah. And, but then obviously because of coffee and saying no stay, stay, stay. I didn't want to let him down. Um, and then obviously if it would have been more embarrassing on his behalf because it was through him. That, that kind of got me the job in that so, yeah, so you got pressure of, of fulfilling that and then also hating it at the same time but just pushing through so I mean it must have felt amazing completing that and then moving on yeah it, yeah, it was a sense of relief after the first year especially um, but because I got through the I thought at that time was the hardest time of the career um, France would be a lot easier but it wasn't it was still tough yeah. um, there was still um, a standard that had to be maintained um, from obviously personal hygiene working cleanly making sure everything was always clean and spotless and um and yeah kind of making yourself recognized through such a big team that you're one of many that want to want to do well yeah so then what was it like when you moved back into london london was good so i went back to a restaurant called the greenhouse um arno bingo a really nice guy he was sous chef at epicure in paris so that was the contact um for London um, and obviously working a three mission star going down to a two mission star at that time they were probably the only restaurant I thought that were on par to achieve a three in London um, and the standard that they were working at was very similar so I, I've gone from one restaurant to another which was quite comforting um, still yeah, pressure obviously to maintain a standard that was reached for a two mission star restaurant pushing three um, and yeah I did 10 months there really nice guy uh, really good atmosphere Really, and really good food, which was the most important. Um, did I learn a lot? I learned enough. Um, a lot, a lot of stuff I've seen before, um, and which was more led through his philosophy of where he worked before. So obviously he was in Greece, um, so very fruity uh, ingredients led with like feet, uh, meat and fish. Um, but working at Epicure, some techniques is what I saw there was what we were doing at the greenhouse as well. So it was good, good experience. Uh, and I did 10 months there. So are you, were you given the opportunity to kind of put your own stamp on things there? Uh, or was it more I, just kind of? Yes and no. Um, we'll propose dishes regularly. The set menu there changed every three weeks. Um, so I'll, I'll be doing a dish um, and then bringing it forward to food I like to eat. Um, but fitting with like plating up in a modern way, which will fit a two mission star restaurant um, and sort of using them skills and techniques. Um, and then it would have been down to him whether he wanted to use it on his menu or not or take elements or ideas um, and that was kind of the base for it so was there a dish that you've kind of created yourself where you're like yeah this is 
This is the one. This is my. This is me. Uh, I think our menu now is me for sure. And I think we, after two years of working here, I've just probably last month we kind of find found where we should be. Um, so yeah, obviously, if you, if you were being able to come and eat at some point, you would see the, the journey. Uh, like we have a dish on the menu, like eggs and soldiers kind of thing. So basically, a, a childhood memory of um, what my mum would give me as a kid. Yeah, you're not um, going to do the little turkey breadcrumb things. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but you know, though, we we serve a chip. Uh, it's called Pontneuf chip. Um, so it's like a layered potato terrine, which is pressed and fried. When I first joined, we actually uh, I got the smiley face cutter from Amazon, and we were cutting them out, but there's more wastage than anything. Yeah. Um, and they weren't consistent, so yeah. I'd love that though. If I came and got a smiley, I'd be like, you know what? This guy knows what he's doing. He's making me <laughs> smile anyway. You could personalise every dish with alphabet spaghetti as well. It's around a plate. So it seems like so you've done, in your you know young years, a lot of different places. When you're there, I've always wanted to know, chefs, are you looking or are they looking for you? Do you know what I mean? Like if you're doing something for 10 months that's intense, it's not like a night of five, you know what I mean? You're doing yeah, yeah. a lot of hours. In between that, are you looking or are you just putting the feelers out? Yeah, or, true. Because chefs seem to be have done lots of different things. I always think, oh, I had to get a new job. But if you think of it in terms of like a CV and you're like job hopping, you're like, what's going on here? Mm. But as a chef, it's different, isn't it? Because mm. for you, it's all about your experience and what you can then learn and maybe what yeah. you can kind of influence. What you can pick up so, in 10 so months. So you can maybe do moving around, there's no negativity about that, That's right? Just the, to the point that you, you don't want to look at a CV where chefs have only been working at a place for three months. Or four months. Mm-hmm. It's not long enough. Because I haven't got enough. Because yeah. every chef or every restaurant normally probation is three months. So if you're leaving after three months, it's because you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Or there's been an issue with you and the team or there's been no consistency throughout that time that you've had there. Hence, I'd always do normally a year. Ten months with the greenhouse was only based on the fact that I had another opportunity led to me opening my restaurant, um, which Arno was un- understandable about. And he he got that, and he supported me through taking certain days off to fit around. Um, that's do, well, that's so. nice. That's that's rare, isn't it? Yeah, to it's, have that. it is a little bit. Yeah, uh, again, I got very lucky with use. I know it's as well. It's always been like French chefs that I've worked for, um, and yeah, that's kind of the, the main feed on it. I think. So, where do you look for inspiration now? Instagram, spot on. Social media now is it makes it massive. so accessible, doesn't it? Yeah, it's so big. Honestly, like um, looking at chef's pictures um the way they play up things um or even what's on the plate and then taking ideas from certain things but then whether you i don't know hashtag or at the person or being inspired by that person mm-hmm. what goes in your restaurant is it doesn't matter as long as you, the restaurant's busy customers are happy that's the most important thing so does that in return kind of make your instagram pretty important uh, yes and no. Um, my Instagram is like is personal to me. Yeah. I think what I post is is more based on react. It's, it's real. Like I'm not a, a guy who takes pictures just for Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll, t- I'll take a picture of the guy the guys prepping asparagus or because it's actually what we do. Yeah. Whereas I know some chefs that they'll like take pictures of the dishes, but it's actually not in their menu or it's not what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas it's completely real and yeah, it's it's, it's so I think now social media is a big platform for getting chefs involved, um, employment as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I get quite a lot of messages where people want to come and see what we do and they want to stage. So the, the list for stages are quite long, but obviously I don't want to get too many people involved. 
where they commentate the recipes and they're like, fuck off. So it's, yeah. It does that happen a lot? Do you think? Yeah, I think, yeah, it does. It's quite common, um, in this industry, especially. So we, I, I'm doing now just like one stage a month kind of thing. So that's bad to hear that. So what happens when you bump into that person again? You're like, I know what you did there, man. They get a rep though, don't they? Surely you get a reputation. If, you, if you're if you robbing recipes, especially now with Instagram and stuff, you That's can tell it. if they robbed a recipe, you can see it the exactly. next day. That's you know, it's it. not like, oh, I've heard this guy 10 years ago, he's doing it at your plate. You have to go and see it. You just go on his Instagram. If, he, if he's up for it, he puts it up, doesn't he? Not good. Do you ever robbed a recipe? No, but I've had recipes robbed off me. Many what, what? times. What, so what when, when I said, because I do a Northern Roast thing, yeah, so I could Northern okay. Roast. And then within this guy had started working for me, then he went and got another job. And then it's the exact same roast, pigs in blankets on it. Call it my trademark, it was a pigs in blankets. Yeah. Well, make sausages. So I was like doing that. He robbed it, absolutely fuming. And I've got rid of another place and the guy had done the same thing. Bang it on there. It's you, Harry. Yeah. It's not me. It's not me at all. But you can't really, you know, pigs in blankets, but at the same time, trademarking it. I'm doing it, Ben. I'm doing it. Both of you are called Ben. So I'm doing it both of you. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're allergic to shellfish, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah. So how the hell did you get through that? I only found out that really when I was in Spain. So, and, um, I was, I won a, a competition called Spanish Chef of the Year. Um, so it was more based on using Spanish ingredients. And then the prize was to go work in San Sebastian for a month paid in their top end restaurants like Arzac, uh, Aclera. And um, it was when they were getting me to taste loads of food over there. And obviously the, the fact that their restaurants were so close to the sea, um, I ended up like keep getting rashes and I kept being, being sick. Um, and it was only until like 2010. So for, it was while I was at Coffins actually, I kind of realised that, yeah, it wasn't going well. So, and then I, I came back to London and I still was, it was eating it thinking maybe it was just because it was in Spain. Mm. I brought it back um, to London. And I, yeah. So I can cook it perfectly, like lobsters, scallops and stuff, but seasoning is kind of like the risk of trusting the team around me to taste the sauce or. Yeah. Um, I bet they're chuffed about that. They can have the lobster, you can't. Yeah. Keep the cost down. <laughs> Head chef doing that. But we have lobster on the menu. Um, so the sauces and stuff. Uh, aren't shellfish based so I know that's perfect like perfectly seasoned and and tasty um, whereas I know how to cook shellfish properly um, where it's seasoned like in the in the stock itself whether that's like lobster shells or and then um, yeah it's kind of well speaking of allergies yeah last night I, so I, I thought we were going to have to bloody cancel I went for a few pints last night sat in a garden came back and I just turned purple I've never had an allergic reaction in my life and I looked at my chest I've been bitten everywhere and then I just had blotches and I had this massive, massive black eyes. My girlfriend, I didn't, you know, when you don't look in a mirror for ages, my girlfriend was like, what the hell is wrong with you? It's, te- it's but you get scared, man. If, you, if you're not used to it, you're like, oh no. And I was like, oh, I thought I'm going to cancel. But thanks for bringing that up, Ben. Well, I, I, just purple wanted, head. I, I was gutted you didn't send me a picture of your purple <laughs> no, head. No, I wasn't doing it. I wasn't sending no one that picture. It was a deleted one straight away. Look at it like, Ugh, terrible. <laughs> So uh, what are some of the restaurants that you're raving about right now and how often do you get to go out and experience them? In London, um, the Lebri is a really good restaurant, two-star. Two um, Bibendum, Claude Boss, he's doing incredible things there as well. Um, outside of London, I'm really a big fan of uh, Satbane's, what they're doing there. The fact they have their own like garden as well and um, like the herb garden and his philosophy based on um, like four days on, three days off as well. It's, it's, it's massive. So the, like the four days, his chefs there, they commit to pushing for hard for four days. They give everything. That's that's a feature, right? In in kind of I think so, any, yeah. any industry. For a restaurant, um, especially with him, he's open Wednesday, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday kind of thing. 
and then their Sunday, Monday, Tuesdays off. Um, probably Monday, Tuesday being the week weakest time to get fish as well. Obviously, uh, it's not like trust restaurants that open on Mondays, but the fish normally would be from the weekend. Um, obviously, being commonly known as like the fishy Friday, it's, it's quite a, a drag to to maintain fish over the weekend. So, yeah, I know a lot of restaurants are closed on Mondays. We're open on Sunday nights. Um, so what we do during the week is our Sundays are like industry night kind of thing because a lot of other restaurants are closed on Sundays. Um, so we get like chefs from Satbanes or guys from the library, they come and eat and they see what we do. But still to such a standard that we're maintaining throughout the week. Um, but yeah, the, the Satbanes is a really good restaurant. Lebri, Bibendum. Um, yeah, they're kind of the, the most iconic ones that come to mind at the moment that I'm a big fan of and I follow a lot. Do you get to go to him much? Or? Uh, I went to Lebri two weeks Monday ago. Uh, it was incredible. Didn't have fish? Uh, no, it, obviously, at two mission side restaurant, they have the sort of demand from suppliers to yeah, they can get to have it, that. They want, yeah, can't they? Exactly. Whereas for us, we don't have that sort of demand yet. We're just a free rosette restaurant. Um, and as I said before, we, we get the produce, the best produce I can, and we utilise it the best. So and we're lucky to get a delivery on Saturday, so for our serving fish on Sunday it's fine yeah. but then come Tuesday when we reopen for dinner it'll be all fresh and whatever was left will just be disposed of we could see it coming in this morning yeah it's all getting delivered wasn't it I like that though I like Seth Baines as well he's got, he's, he looks like he just looks like he's, he's crazy oh, he's a big... I think yeah really, really nice guy firm but very fair yeah I think I think everyone needs to be fair with what they do um, and obviously if he's got his sort of direction and his aim People working for him would, would understand that and want to be a part of it. I think just like I have here. Amazing! I want to get. I'm, I'm coming for my smiley faces, by the way. Put, put me in. Put me in. Um, should we? Um, should we go on to the quick fire round? Quick fire. You should stop calling it quick fire because it's not quick. Um, so the top three foods you couldn't live without: uh, salt, being one. Um, pasta, and because it's quick. Um, I think cheese cheese crackers. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So this is a chef's tea, isn't it? At yeah. one in the morning, <laughs> pasta salt. I'll have some cheese and crackers. Why not? I'm doing it. I actually eat that every single day Do I, you? when I get home after work. Yeah, wow. it's bad. But your dreams must be. What's on it though? What cheese? Cheddar. Just simple as simple cheddar. Pick lily. Oh, there you go. He's from <laughs> London, isn't he? I never, I never even knew what it was till I moved down there. Pick lily. Never knew. It's not really a northern thing, is it, really? Mm, no, not really. What's your favourite food guilty pleasure? Um, strawberry trifles from Sainsbury's. Well, the value ones. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you know that David Beckham he requests um, Tesco value sausage rolls on his rider? Oh, yeah? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. Um, your biggest kitchen disaster? I, I probably haven't had one, but I've seen... Uh, when I was working in, in I've got a mate no no no, no, no. In, actually in Paris so basically um, it was a busy busy lunch service in the Free Star uh, we, we got a section where there's a fryer um, and there's this one guy who's just in the ship from the morning uh, just getting bollocked left right and centre and he was running he slipped and as he slipped he kind of put his hand down oh, and his right arm went into the fryer you're joking yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. that's probably the biggest thing I've been involved and seen um 
obviously to the point that they I've are seen so dangerous. You get a, so used to them, don't you? That you just think oh, they're, they're there. They're just, just it's 190 degree fat and it's 20 liters. Jesus. Of it. uh, so yeah, horrific. He, he, he was, yeah, he was screaming and it's like a bloody Terminator. Like yeah, I like it's that. Disgusting, How long honestly. was he off for? Like three months at least. Gonna see yeah. knackered, aren't you? It was all like plot, like banged up, and yeah, it's horrible. Let's bring it up now. Bring it up. Bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Top three bits of kit you can't live without in the kitchen. Uh, like, as in equipment. Um, yeah. Anything you want, mate. A knife, spoon. Um, so obviously we play out with spoons and. Um, mm, What's that little spinny plate thing? Yeah, my plate spinner. <laughs> that's that's the most important thing here. It's just our vibe throughout the restaurant. So yeah, it's a children's pottery set. Um, we balance the plate on it and it spins the plate so we can make spirals and do certain things the way we do, especially for service. So if we're making a circle mm. of a puree, um, when the guys pour the sauce in at the table, it goes within that circle and it doesn't like piss all over the plate. It stays... But the Pretty. first time you do it, it's like a bloody generation game, isn't it? When you yeah. get the call. That's what we do. When I've had people on trial, that's like the main thing. If they can do it, and a lot of people can do it first time. Oh, really? Yeah, and obviously it is practice, but yeah. the You should have a go, Jordan. You can use a turntable as well, can't you? Yeah, or like the old DJ. Yeah, yeah, this is like an old thing. Just put it on, just... Yeah, exactly. I love that. Right, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you had to eat the same meal every day, what would it be? Uh, I think a carbonara. Yeah, I can easily. Look at that, straight off the oh, bat. I don't like a carbonara. What do you mean? Are you a homemade carbonara or carbonara from the Tesco vibe? Uh, um, more Marks and Spencers. Yes, look at He's up in the world now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, star food here, we do eat carbonara. Well, not, fr- not lentils. Nah, not at all. <laughs> he's never cooked them ever no, 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 again. No, I've not tasted them since now, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, three times a week, carbonara. And, and yeah. All the extras that go with it. So. With a garlic bread, though? Yeah, of course. Well, of course he's got bloody garlic bread in the boat. <laughs> right, if you could cook your favourite meal for one person, who would it be? Mm. Anyone. Dead or alive. Donald Bloody Dog, if you want. Um, Gordon Ramsay? Yeah. I think, yeah. I've looked up to him from the start of the career, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, watching him on Boiling Point... Um, Obviously, watching all the Hell's Kitchens as well that he's done and been involved in, I think he's that he's he's massive. He's a legend in our industry. The fact that he's maintained that the three Mission Star restaurant, unbelievable. Really. His legacy, like, is something that everyone respects, and you can't take that away from him as much mm. as he is more TV now than anything else. But yeah, he's he's still killing it, and yeah, I, I like to cook for him Monday. Excellent. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed that, mate. And um, we're looking forward to coming for trying this beautiful food. Please do. Thank you. Smiley face. See you Thank you. Well, thanks for listening, your chef listeners. He's uh, he's a quite a remarkable guy for being 28 years old and had the journey that he's had. Footballer, chef, in a bit of a sensational one at that. Such a lovely guy as well. I mean, it was a really nice insight into kind of like work ethic as well, wasn't it? The fact that like, you know, Here's my opportunity at 21, going over to France, couldn't speak a word, and then just working and, you know, hard as well. Yeah, it sounds like an absolute nightmare, but, you know, stick it out. You stick it out and then everything comes good. But also, what a beautiful area to be cooking in every day. Like, his restaurant is stunning. I've just been had the had the, um, the luxury of being 
a tour of the kitchen. It's very small, but it's very cool. The question is, did you get to see the smiley face cutter? See, there was no smiley face cutter. What I did see, me, as we walked out of the venue, there was a man walking around with a hairy dog carrying one stiletto. <laughs> what a night he had. I know, big night. Um, thank you very much for listening to Yes Chef this week. We will um, see you very soon. Bon app. Bon app. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.